Turn in your Bibles, if you want to, to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We're continuing our study. Uh, and what we're doing is we're looking at statements made by Peter. As I said, it's not his life necessarily. It's just some key events, things that he said, and then ties in with that. As we go through this, we're going to see things about Christ and salvation and service and ministry and failure and victory and all those kind of things. That's what we're going to see over the, the this time. Our, our, our goal is just to know and understand and apply God's word, as always. We're seeing Peter's second uh, statement, and it is, we left all and followed you. Well, what does he mean by that? Where does that tie in, and what, how, how does it work? We're going to see it, in fact, in our passage this morning, we're going to see two things. We're going to see the issue of salvation and the issue of discipleship. And we're just barely going to get into the discipleship part, and that's why there'll be a part two, and we'll see that next time. Well, there are a number of truths in the Bible <clears throat> that we need to know. If you remember, we have the 2-2 the study, and it's like 18, you know, 28 lessons, and there's so much there. Each one of those is sort of theology and how we put the Bible together. And, and there's truths that, that as believers, it, we have to understand them. And one of the truths that we really need to look at is the truths concerning salvation and discipleship. And people mix them up. People, there are people who actually say that if, unless you're a disciple, you're not, a, you're not saved, and, and, and they get confused, and, and they, they equate them. If, if one is a believer, they've got to be a disciple. If one uh, says they're a believer but they're not serving, they're probably not a believer. And so let's sort of define it. And first of all, salvation. Salvation is the act by which God gives eternal life and eternal relationship with one who believes in Jesus Christ as Savior. A person believes in Christ for eternal life, and that's why he gives them eternal life. So salvation is eternal life given to us, and it actually costs us nothing. It is by grace through faith. It is not our self. It is not works. It is not what we do. It costs us nothing. It is a gift. It comes by faith based on the grace of God. So when we start talking about eternal life salvation... There's not anything you can do for it. You don't do anything for it. It is a gift given to you by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I think Ephesians 2, 8, 9 may be one of the great verses in the Bible. And if you talk to someone, and they're telling you that you need to do good works, or you need to do things, or you need to be willing to do this or do this, just keep saying, by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of... Work. And you just keep going over that because there are people who they don't understand. They'll say grace of God, and then they'll add works to it. So uh, that, you know, and then Galatians 3, we're all sons of God simply by faith. Now that's salvation, but here's discipleship. The word discipleship, a disciple is a learner. It's the idea is to follow someone. The idea is to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, follow and, and sacrifice in that sense. And that's why uh, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus said about dying to yourself. I mean, when you said take up your cross, he doesn't mean that you got a bad leg and you got to go through life with a bad leg. That's not, you know, people say, everybody's got a cross to bear. No, the cross to bear is that we die to ourselves, that we die. Die to ourselves. That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2, I talked about it in, in, the, in the first service. We offer our lives as living sacrifice. We die to ourselves. Now, that costs you. costs you a lot. So think about this. Salvation is a gift that costs us nothing, given freely. Eternal life comes by faith. Now, what could be better than that? Can you name anything better than that? I can't. And then discipleship or being a disciple is based on works. It costs us our lives. It deals with eternal rewards, and it comes by faithfulness. When you say to God, I take, give, take my life, I want my life to count for you. We believe, 
We have eternal life as a gift by faith. We serve, offer our lives, we are disciples, and it costs us. And you've got to understand there is a difference. And there are a lot of people who say, if you're not living for Christ, you're not a believer, then that makes salvation what? It makes it what? It makes it works. Listen, either, either salvation, eternal life salvation is a gift simply by faith or it's by works. Romans eleven six says that grace is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. How many works do you have to have to make it works? One. That's all you have to have. And so that's, that's the, 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 the whole issue there. Now, we're going to look in this passage. We're going to see two issues. The issue of salvation with the rich young ruler. Everybody's read the story. Everybody knows the story. But the guy comes to Jesus and, and basically says, uh, what about me? And Jesus basically says, keep the law. And everybody goes, why would Jesus tell this man to keep the law? I mean, that, that's not how you have life. I mean, that kind of and but So we're going to see the issue of salvation with the rich young ruler. And then we're going to see the issue of discipleship with Peter and the apostles. And so we're going to look primarily more at the rich young ruler this morning, a little bit about Peter, and then we're going to see more about Peter next time. And so we'll see how that works. Um, you remember what, the very first statement, and the first thing we saw is that Andrew went and got Peter and said, or went and got Simon, and he said, I want you to, we found the Messiah, come here. And when, Peter, when Simon gets there, Jesus says, you're Simon, but you're going to be called Rocky. You're going to be called Rock, the Rock. And so, and so what did Peter say as, as we saw? That was the very beginning. And then last time we saw they were in the boat and Jesus was speaking and then Jesus told Peter, push out a little bit. And when he pushed out, he said, get this. And he pulled it up. It was so many fish. And Peter said, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Because what he, what he saw is he saw the, the, the holiness and who God, who, who God is. And every, whenever we really look at God, we see our sinfulness. And that's what we talked about. And we talk about not only as aspect of eternal life salvation that we realize we're sinners and need a Savior, but even in the Christian life, the same thing. The second statement that Peter makes is... We've left all to follow you, and this is discipleship. So this is where we are. I just gave a little review there, but this is where we are. And so we're going to, to see something, and, and um, we're going to look at two things. The first aspect is salvation. How? How do you have salvation? You already know. How do you have salvation? By faith, isn't it? Uh, Jesus is going to tell this guy to do, keep the law. We'll read it here in just a second. And then we're going to see discipleship and the results of discipleship. We'll just get a little bit on there. So look at Luke 18, verse 18. A ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do honor your father and your mother. And he said, I've kept all this from my youth. And Jesus said, wow, okay. Well, then one thing you lack, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven, follow me. Does this sound like what Jesus should have said? You could, Jesus, come here. I, I think you misunderstood his question. And I think Jesus would look at us and say, no, you misunderstood his question. So let's look at it. Let's look what he says. The question is not, how can I have eternal life? It is, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus answers according to the question. He didn't say, how do you have eternal life? He says, what must I do 
to gain eternal life. And if you're going to gain eternal life, if you're going to do it, what do you got to do? You got to be perfect, don't you? Don't you have to do good works? Don't you have to do everything perfectly? If you're, go- if you're going to be good enough to have eternal life based on what you do, you must be what? Perfect. And so the guy asked the question, notice, good teacher calls him good. What shall I do? What shall I do? Not how do I have eternal life? How do I inherit? How do I get it? Jesus, he says, what must I do? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Now, before he even answers the question, he says, why do you call me good? You're calling me a good teacher. Listen, no one is good except God. And I want you to think about it. He's calling him good teacher, and Jesus doesn't even let him get away with it. Because see, what this man says is, there are certain people who are good, and certain people who are bad, and he naturally assumes he's good, and he naturally assumes Jesus is good, and so he says, good teacher, what must I do to gain inherit eternal life? What do I do? And he thinks, let me tell you what he thinks. He thinks he's already done it. He's trying to get Jesus to say, you're in, man. You're in. And so Jesus stops him and says, well, first of all, you can't call me good. There's nobody good but God. See, there's none righteous, no, not one, right? So Jesus actually saying, if you're going to call me good, you're going to have to call me what? God, because I, I am. If you call me good, you got to call me God. He said, you can't, why do you call me good? There's nobody good except God alone. So if you're actually thinking I'm good, you're thinking I'm God, which is a very good answer, because that's who I am, right? There's none good but God. But then he says, you know the commandments? He's actually saying, you already know. You're asking me the question, but you already know. You're saying, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus says, you already know the answer. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And so what he does, Jesus, you know, the Ten Commandments are divided into two parts. First four commandments deal with your relationship to God, and the last six commandments deal with your relationship to people. Which part does Jesus give him? Relationship to who? The relationship to people. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Don't kill somebody. Don't have sex with somebody else's wife. Don't steal from somebody. Don't lie about somebody. You've got to honor your father and mother. So Jesus takes the, the bottom six commandments and says, just keep it. Do that. If you, if you want to be good enough to get to heaven, to get the kingdom, then all you have to do is keep, well, right now, let's start with the bottom six of the top ten. Do not, don't commit adultery. He says, I've not done that. Don't murder. I, I haven't done that. Don't steal. I, I've probably never stolen. Don't bear false witness. I don't think I've ever lied. Really? Really? Honor your father and mother. You've always honored your father and mother. And so what does the guy say? And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. Keep the, Jesus says, keep the law. Keep it. Keep it. And he says, I've done it. Now, he doesn't recognize what? He doesn't recognize his sin. Let me ask you a question. Oh, I, I better skip down a little bit of these instead of saying, how many of us have ever lied? How many of us always completely honored our father and mother when you were 17, okay? <laughs> no, you didn't. 
So if we look at this, and I'm not even getting to the big ones, you say, well, I've never murdered. Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you murdered. I've, well, I've never committed adultery. If you've lusted after somebody, you've committed. I mean, so, you, you know, this man, this rich young ruler, as they call him in some other passages, uh, Jesus says, in, the, in, the, the, in your relationship with people, have you kept every one of these commandments? Because you know them, and that's, that's what you're saying. What do I have to do to get to God? What do I have to do to get to heaven? Well, you already know. It's, if you're going to do it, you've got to keep the commandments. And he said, I've, uh, I've done it all. He doesn't recognize his sin. So watch what Jesus does. What's the, what's the, the first commandment? You have nothing, no other gods before me, nothing in front of the true God, right? Watch what Jesus says. He said, I've done it. Man, I've done it all the way. And then Jesus said this. He said, wow, okay, okay. You're almost there. You're almost there. You're real tight. One thing you still lack, just, just one, that's all. Sell all your possessions, distribute it to the poor, and you'll even have treasure in heaven, and then you'll follow me because you're saying you've done it all, so you must be a believer. So now we're even talking about treasure and, and rewards and everything. So just give up everything. Just give up everything. Sell everything, follow me, have treasure. What did the guy do? You know, in one of the other passages, it says, if you've been perfect, that means mature, follow me, be my disciple, get rewards in heaven. Listen, oh, you're in, baby. You only like one thing, and then you're in. And that is... Sell all your possessions. Now, does Jesus ask us to sell all our possessions? No. Does he ask us to keep the law to be saved? No. This guy says, what can I do? What should I do? And Jesus says, okay, well, if you're looking for what you can do, keep the law. And let's, let's start with the six that relate to human beings. And he says, oh, I got, I'll, I'll whip that. He said, okay, let's go back to the one that relates to God. What does he have before God? His possessions. Yeah, his money. Uh, he loves his money more than he loves what? God. I mean, he still wants to say that I've been perfect, that I've done the right things, but he doesn't recognize that he's put his possessions before God because look what happened. He says, give the stuff. And he, he heard these things. He became very sad for he was extremely rich. He's rich. I remember listening to J. Vernon McGee. Most of you, anybody in here know J. Vernon McGee? Yeah, he's wonderful. He said one time when he, he was in the church of the open door in California, and this guy had come into his church, and this guy was real wealthy. And so one day he invited J. Vernon McGee to come, come to his house. So J. Vernon McGee, he said he drove up. It was the biggest thing he's ever seen in his life. And he walked in, the guy was showing him around, gardens over here, fountains over here, stuff over here, things over here. And Jay Vernon said, man, if I lived in a place like this, I don't think I'd want to go to heaven. I wouldn't want to leave. And see, sometimes when you have a lot of riches like this guy, he thought he had it made because he thought, I've pretty much not messed up with other people. And he didn't realize that the first commandment was the one he's missing. And Jesus said, you know the commandments. He said, okay, then sell everything. And the guy was very, very sad. And Jesus said how hard it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Why is it so hard 
for sometimes wealthy people to enter the kingdom of God. Because they trust their worships. They trust that other than God. We, I mean, they, they, they want that. They say, I don't, I don't, you know. If you actually said to some of them, do you want Jesus to come back? They might say, not right now. I mean, you know, I, you know. So let's stop for a second. This first issue is not how do you have eternal life? How do you have eternal life? By faith alone. And Jesus says that hundreds of times. The Gospel of John, 98 times. So when this guy didn't ask how to have eternal life, he said, what must I do to gain it, to gain the kingdom and to gain that? And Jesus said, oh, you want to do it? Well, let's start with the, let's start with the six that relate to people. He said, ah, I've done it all. Okay, well, let's talk about the main one then. What's first in your life? Is it God or is it your stuff? And he went away very sad. He was extremely rich. And they all went, oh, my gracious. And he said how hard it is. And they went, he said, it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And, of course, they said, well, who could be saved? Because there are rich people out there. And, And he says, what's impossible with men is possible with God. Listen, I know some really wealthy people who love Jesus Christ. And their possessions are all to be used for the glory of God. So just because people have wealth doesn't mean that they won't believe. But this rich young ruler, he thought, I'm going to do good things. And, 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 I'm, and, and he didn't realize that he hadn't kept all the commandments because he'd put his money and his wealth above his relationship with God. With that in mind, <clears throat> let me look at time. With that in mind, we're now going to come to Peter because they're all watching this. And uh, Jesus says, my heart of this for those who are wealthy, this is verse 24, to enter the kingdom of God, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And, and they heard it and they went, golly, who could be saved? And, and see, golly is in there. And they, they heard it and said, then who could be saved? And he said, things that are impossible with people are impossible with God. And then Peter now realizes, wait, wait a minute, I, I, I believed in Jesus. I'm not, I'm not trying to... To get, I'm not trying to get to heaven by being good, but we did give up everything. We, we did what Jesus said to do. He, Jesus told this rich man to give up everything. We did give up everything. What did Peter do for a living? And he, and he, was, he was with James and John, Peter and Andrew, and, and, and Zebedee had all the boats. And I imagine they had a pretty good thing going, and suddenly all four of those guys just walked away from it. And so he says, Peter said, behold, verse 28, we have left our homes and followed you. We left everything. We left everything. What's in it for us, so to speak? I remember Field of Dreams, and uh, I liked that movie a lot. And, and the guy was up there arguing with, the, with, you know, and he was saying, hey, never once have I asked what's in it for me. Never once have I asked what's in it for me. And he says, what do you want? He says, I want to know what's in it for me. <laughs> right? And it's the same thing. We may say, listen, I, I gave up everything. So what's in it for me? If you're in the first service, you know, I told you how that I was about age 25, 26, and I made a decision that I said, Lord, I want my life to count for you. And I'll go anywhere you want me to go and do anything you want me to do. And I, so my life belongs to him. And I'm very selfish and bad and ugly and sinful and everything. I still mess up. But I have given him my life for his glory. 
And so Peter's saying the same thing. We, we left it all to follow you. We left it all, our homes and our life. And so this is an issue not of salvation. This is an issue of what? Discipleship. And this is your issue. See, I, I would bet you everyone in this room, if you just went around the room and said, if you believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, I would say that probably every one of you in this room have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And so salvation is not our issue. What is our issue? It's discipleship. Well, we're going to live for Christ. And this is Peter. He's made the decision. And that's why he turns to Jesus and says, well, what about us? Behold, we've left our home, our own homes, and we've followed you. What about us? And then look what he says. And we're going to get into the details on this next week. But look what he says. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who left their houses or their wives or their brothers or their parents or their children for the sake of the kingdom of God. People who've said, I give it up. I want my life to count for you. I'll go whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do who will not, who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come, eternal life. And eternal life there doesn't just mean an eternal relationship. It has the idea of that quality of a relationship that is beyond what you could imagine. It has the idea of rewards. And so that's the question. He says, there's nobody who's done it all. And look at this. And then, so let me put this up here. It's rewards. He says, many times as much now and in the age to come, eternal life. I've got some friends that were, were missionaries, uh, and it's another part of the world. And when they got a certain point, they they went to uh, they went to college, and then they met each other and they got married, and then they wanted to be missionaries, and so they went with a mission organization and got trained, and then they decided that they were going to go to another part of the world, and they had mamas and daddies on both sides and friends and brothers and sisters, and they left them all to go to another part of the world. And they spent their whole lives in another part of the world. And I knew their mother. Mother had passed away now, but I knew the mother. And I asked her one time, I said, how do you feel? How do you feel knowing that your kids are gone and you don't hardly ever see them, maybe once a year? And she said, I'd rather them be there in the will of God than to be here out of the will of God. And they risk it all. And let me tell you what they would tell you. They'd tell you, we ain't missed a thing. We got homes here. We got family here. We got people we've led to the Lord who are our brothers and sisters. We got older believers that act like our daddies and younger believers that act like our kids. And so we've not missed one thing. And Jesus says, when you live for me, you're not going to miss out on anything. Not now or in the future. And let me tell you, you're not going to miss out on anything. I was coaching at age 23 at Mississippi State. And at age 26, I made that decision. And by age 31, I was already out of coaching and headed to Dallas Seminary. And people have said to me, do you miss coaching? I said, I don't miss a thing. I don't miss a thing. When we win, I'm really happy. When we sad, I'm really sad. And when we lose, I'm really sad. But I don't want to be there. I want to be here. And for you, you've got to decide. If you haven't already, 
You let her decide, what are you going to do with this life that God's given you and the time that he's given you on this earth? Are we going to say, Lord, we're leaving it all to follow you? And that doesn't mean you have to give up. I mean, I said, I, I want to I live for you. Did you know he let me be a coach for at least another three or four years? Until, until my desires were so changed that I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go to seminary. And see, just because we say to God, I, I, I give you my life, that doesn't mean he's going to take away all your family. And He's just saying, offer yourself to me, and I will do things through your life that you can't even imagine, and you're not going to miss out on anything. Because I still remember as a young Christian saying, if I were to say to God... I give you my life. He'll make me become a preacher or a missionary. That's what I thought. I was right. <laughs> but he changed my desires, right? So I'd rather do this. So whatever God has for you, and you say to him, just take my life and use it, you're going to love it. And so he says, now and in the future, in the kingdom, now the the spiritual blessings we have in Ephesians, and then in the future, there's going to be rewards, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One of these days, you know, and, and let me tell you now, the ones of you in this room that know that your life counts for Christ and you're living for him and all you want to do is say, Lord, I just want my life to count for you, I guarantee you, you could come up here one at a time and you'd stand right here and say, I'm not missing anything. I gave my life to Christ, and I'm serving him, and it's the greatest life I could ever have. You're not missing anything, and you won't. And Peter says, what about us? We left everything. We left our homes. We followed you. And he said, I'm going to tell you this. You left it all. You will receive many times as much now and in the future. Wow. So we'll get more to that next week. So just feel guilty this week and things like that about living for Christ and all that stuff. Let's talk about application. Let's, let, let's, let's think about the, issue of, the issues of salvation and discipleship. Salvation is a gift. It's by faith. It's not by the law. It's not by works. Nobody can keep the law. First of all, here's the deal. When that guy said, I've kept it all, he hadn't kept it all. Nobody can keep it. The law is the character of God. Nobody can keep the character of God. No, we've all what? Sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he, he should have said, well, I, I can't do that. And Jesus said, you're right. Well, then what am I going to do? He said, here's what you do. See? But the guy didn't do that. The guy walked away. Salvation is a gift by faith alone, not by works. And then discipleship, it costs us our lives. And you will never, you will never regret living for Jesus Christ. Never, never, don't matter. Now, make sure we don't confuse the two issues of salvation and discipleship, because whenever you do, you have works for salvation. Uh, John MacArthur, John MacArthur says, if you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. He's saying, if you're not living for Christ, you're not saved. He's saying that salvation is serving God. Salvation is a gift that costs you nothing. Verses after verse after verse say it's by faith alone in Christ alone. Now, discipleship does cost our lives. And whenever you mix them up, you're going to always have confusion. Let's offer our lives in service for our Savior, Jesus. That is, that's the biggest one. That's the hardest one. You die to self, take up your cross, and follow him. And I guarantee you, you'll have more now and in the future than you could have ever imagined.